This is Monica Perez in for Mark Aram tonight from 6 to 8. You might know me. I am the libertarian voice on WSB, normally Saturdays from 3 to 6. So, uh, but I love Fridays. Friday is my favorite day of the week. I'm happy to be here. I, if you listen to my show, you know I've got the, my favorite hobby is making craft cocktails, but I have to keep it down to, Basically once or twice a week. So Friday's my night. I have uh, a great little cocktail planned I put on my website, com, which happens to be the color of all the pollen that is absolutely blanketing Atlanta right now. It's a very lively, vibrant color, but it's super annoying. And But I just feel like there's a real lively vibe right now. I think maybe it's because kids are headed out for spring break. Maybe it's because there's just so much news today. I don't know, but we are, I, I think we're going to have some fun, ease into the weekend, and as a person who is a waitress for many years, I realize that a lot of people are working, they do not look forward to the weekend as the time off, but we're going to help you pass that time as well. So, uh, if you have heard my show, you know that I'm a libertarian. I'm a hardcore libertarian, as a matter of fact, where I've actually given up on the possibility that this self-limiting government is uh, really what it promises to be. So the American experiment, I respect it, but I feel like we've kind of been corrupted beyond the point of no return. And it's possible that that was always in the cards, that there's just no way to do it. But I'm not ready for revolution I've decided that what I'm going to do for now, because I love my craft cocktails, I love my kids even more, I don't want to kick the can of tyranny and the inevitable revolution down the road a little bit by what I, and how I do that is I really like to stay focused on the Bill of Rights. I try to stay focused on those rights enshrined in the Bill of Rights as our protections against a government we gave a lot of power to. So these are not like all the rights. They're just our rights to protect ourselves from the government. So I, although I can uh, recognize that conspiracies do happen, people behind the scenes are up to no good. I've seen that for sure. Uh, I recognize that. I understand people are scared of this or that. They think that uh, striking a balance is necessary here or there. I try not to let any of that fog cloud my vision and stay focused on what our protections are in the Bill of Rights. And if anyone is telling you that some event or some law or some profound change in human nature means that that stuff is obsolete, they're scamming you. And it doesn't matter what they tell you is the reason. And I like to stay absolutely focused on that. And And it's absolutely above and beyond the parties. I'm not left of center. I'm not right of center. I'm deep of center. I'm going to tell you what's really going on behind the scenes, above the parties. And it starts a lot of times with a party doing the opposite of what you put them in there to do. I'm going to tell you how Lindsey Graham is moving that ball forward. Uh, so what I'm, what I want to tell you about, which you're probably not going to hear too much. This is how I think it really works with the, what I, what the, Left, right, the two-party psyop, psychological operation. So if you just listen to cable news, watch cable news 24-7, you're not going to hear what any of these this behind-the-scenes language. So when I say I'm deep of center, I'm not, I'm not looking at Fox, looking at CNN, deciding which one is right. In my mind, they're both playing the same game. And that is, I guess it's called, I mean, I know what it's called. It's called a dialectic, but that's another term that not everybody is familiar with. But the idea is they set up a problem, whether it's a real problem, they just frame in a certain way or create a problem. Then they offer, then people freak out and then they offer you a solution to the problem that they put in motion in the first place or they framed in the first place. And even though it looks like there's all these issues that divide the country, in, in my opinion, 
the Republicans and the Democrats have never been closer together in everything from big, big spending to foreign intervention to, most important in my opinion, taking away our rights through surveillance, censorship. And this week, the thing that caught my eye was uh, a gun control measure that Lindsey Graham brought up. It's uh, he had a, a hearing. They're calling it a red. They're calling them red flag gun laws. And the idea behind it is if there's a red flag, if something is about to happen, you can, as Trump said, take the guns first, worry about due process later. Donald Trump said that. So and it reminds me between Trump, Pence, that was a year ago. They said it right after Parkland. Uh, then and then this this just this week, Lindsey Graham's kind of carrying that ball forward. But they. It reminds me of a call I once got, and I've, I've echoed this guy's sentiments, his very words, ever since. He said, a Democrat is not, the Democrats are not going to get your guns. It will take a Republican. I actually started a hashtag, it will take a Republican. And the problem is that if you listen exclusively to the main, you know, the 24-7 cable cycle on the left or the right, you're just going to get what they want you to hear. So they, so you probably haven't even heard about this Lindsey Graham having this hearing where he wants to, and he really lays it out. I'm going to play clips of it for you. He really lays out the plot. <laughs> he said there's not enough appetite for a federal law that would allow law enforcement to go to a judge and argue why you should lose your guns based on your mental illness. So it would be the law enforcement makes the claim, the judge makes the ruling, and you lose your guns. So I'm not I'm not just a knee jerk gun advocate. It's not I'm not a single issue voter kind of thing, but I don't actually believe the government has the right to to uh take away your fundamental right to self defense. And I had a a, a another great contribution from a listener the name is Pliskin, turned me on to a libertarian psychiatrist and activist named Thomas Saz, who pointed out that the mental health issue is used increasingly to control society. So what they, so he point, he suggested, and I just, this is so brilliant and I hadn't thought of it. He suggested that, that we not allow any rights to be encroached without a, jury trial of your peers and i just absolutely love that and the more i think about that and i think about it in other contexts the less i like plea bargains i feel like jury trials should be an inalienable right so i want to delve into that a little more and take your calls 800 wsb talk right after the break this is monica perez this is monica perez filling in for mark aram on this lively friday night trying to ease you into the weekend or keep you company if your weekend means work and talking about stuff I don't think gets covered in the the really highly partisan world of the 24-7 news cycle quite the way I, as a libertarian, looking at it from the outside with a constant focus on our rights, look at it. So when when Trump or Pence or Lindsey, Lindsey Graham say stuff about, well, it's just a minor uh, encroachment on uh, uh, your right to bear arms, I say, well, that's that's just the the wedge that that opens the door. And I want to hear what you have to say. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. I'm going to go to Mike and Marietta. Mike, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Um, hey, Mike. Great subject. Great subject. And I've been waiting for somebody to talk about this. But um, t- as far as I can tell, it's it's basically the same things the Dems tried as far as a no fly list. Let's. Uh, anybody on a no-fly list shouldn't be able to get a gun. So let's put everybody on the no-fly list. How do you get off of it? I don't want my neighbor to have the ability to decide they're mad at me, so they're going to call the cops and come get my guns just because they think I shouldn't have them. I think the red law is the red flag law is a crazy law, and it's and it's. I know in other states where it's enacted, there has been several people killed because of this law what do you mean well they've come to get the oh wow people and so here you've got authorities at your door pounding on your door wanting to get your guns because you have been turned in and so it's just gestapo all over so people need to wake up in this country yeah i 
I didn't think it had escalated to that point yet. And, oh. and it's it's actually even worse than just somebody turning you in. The law enforcement can bring that concern themselves and go to a judge. So in my mind, if you yeah. go, you know, that's that's like tantamount to absolute power. If you absolutely. If you, yeah. Yeah. And I'm in the I'm I'm in the make guns into. Well, that's my that's what I do as a profession. I make cowboy guns, race guns, so people can have fun shooting cowboy guns. Funny. <laughs> so it affects me, you know, uh, uh, you know, right at the source, because, I mean, uh, it, j- just imagine, I mean, you can just let it go, um, how far this thing could go. Uh, if somebody knows that Party B has a gun and they've got a beef with them. All they got to do is report them and let the authorities deal with it. And the authorities say, well, hey, we've got this law and we've got to come get your guns until we decide you can get them back. And, and wow, if, when's that going to happen? If their default position is the less guns, the better, which I think you can safely say is that is the, <laughs> the authorities in the places where those laws are passed. I, I think that that's a safe assumption. Then they're not going to say, well, let's let's just suss this out a little bit first. Let's not be hasty. I think they're going to say, here's an opportunity. There's liability if we don't take advantage of it. And less guns are better anyway, so let's do that. Well, and Well, I don't uh, – well, and there again, I don't agree that less guns is better. Uh, more guns is better. It seems the more armed a populace is and the easier carry laws you have and like in uh, – constitutional carry state yeah that's true it's it's more guns less crime i think that is in the evidence i'm going to tell you something else i think this might lead to after the break this is monica perez the mark aram show brought to you by engineered solutions of georgia the focus is literally give families and give local law enforcement additional tools if an individual is reported to be a a potential danger to themselves or others. Allow due process so no one's rights are trampled, but but the ability to go to court, obtain an order, and then collect not only the firearms, but any, any weapons. In the position or might take the firearms first and then go to court because that's another system because a lot of times by the time you go to court it takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures uh, I like taking the guns early like in this crazy man's case that just took place in Florida he had a lot of firearms they saw everything to go to court would have taken a long time so you could do exactly what you're saying but take the guns first go through due process second This is Monica Perez filling in for Mark Aram, and that was Mike Pence and Donald Trump talking after the Parkland event about a year ago, starting the ball rolling that mental health issues are kind of an absolute defense against your gun rights. But what they don't talk about is Mike Pence said, oh, we'd have due process. Trump says don't even bother. But the question is, what is due process? If a law enforcement officer, this is what they were proposing, a law enforcement officer asks a judge, and a judge may has a pretty loose uh, standard in many cases, that's not due process in my opinion. A jury trial of your peers and a unanimous verdict that you are going to lose your rights is, in my mind, more than 20 bucks, basically. Your gun rights, incarceration, whether it's mental illness or crime, why should criminals get more rights and a, and a longer, more thorough process before they are incarcerated or lose their rights than somebody who's accused by law enforcement of a mental illness. So I am going to take some calls, uh, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to introduce my producer and sidekick, Binkley. Hey, Binkley, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Great. Thank you very much for playing that that clip, which always shocks me. I wonder why we don't hear people t- talking about that. They, I feel like the whole purpose of all the circus that you see, the Mueller report or the Smollett case or any of that stuff, there's a few reasons that those things are covered around the clock. But one big one, I think, is a distraction from real issues like spending, debt, all that kind of stuff. But I try not to let it get 
Uh, get me down. I'm trying to keep a Friday feeling because I like to kick back, even though my show, my normal show is Saturdays from three to six. So if you listen to me then, you know, but uh, I, I am, but you know, for me, it's fun. Like thinking about stuff and talking about deep issues. That's fun. Like my ultimate relaxation is to have a delicious craft cocktail of which I am a master <laughs> to make and and have an interesting intelligent conversation that usually lasts about two cocktails then <laughs> 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 i put the cocktails away watch tv anyway but let's uh let's continue this conversation i'm going to take some calls 800 wsb talk i'm going to start with larry and tucker larry you are on with monica hi monica uh well you you just played the clip i guess the sense that due process i don't think is being afforded they're trying to take a constitutional right without affording the in-person individual um, due process. All right, hold on. Uh, Larry, just hold on a second. Uh, but so is Larry. Sorry to cut you off, Larry. Uh, can you hear me? I, uh, I'm not sure. I, I hear you fine. Okay. No, that was the problem with the, the due process. But one other point that your other caller just made about more guns being issued, you look at Switzerland, nobody messes with Switzerland because the government, when the children turn 18, they're issued a gun by the government, and they have shooting competitions sponsored by their government. So every house, nobody wants to attack Switzerland because every house you go by is armed. Yeah, they have the the Swiss uh, have a good friend who lives in Switzerland and they are required. Swiss citizens are required to have their guns. They are all members of the militia and they they get and he says they get in big trouble if they just wave them around, you know. But the fact is, you know, they're there and and it defends the country itself. Like we we give up a lot in the name of national security and people feel very insecure and want a very strong government. You feel like you have to go into other countries and, and neutralize them from afar lest they get in here. But the answer to a lot of this stuff is didn't the Japanese say they would never invade this country back in world war two, because there's a rifle behind every blade of grass. I mean, that's, I I, I think we get in way too many. I was in the Navy and I was, you know, I had to do Somalia and all these other conflicts. And I said that we, to me, let the countries run their run the way they were, when they are. When we did Libya with when uh, President Obama was in, we had no reason to go there. I didn't think Gaddafi was a nice guy, but it's their country. Let them run it. I wouldn't want them telling us how to run the United States. I shouldn't be going in there telling how to run their country. I don't like it, but that's their rules. I, I totally think that would I totally agree. And, you know, that's not something that a lot of people connect the dots on. And this is all part, in my opinion, uh, it, of – trying to get us in such a state of fear to be worried about things that are completely out of our control. They tell us that you absolutely uh, have no control. You're at their mercy. You, you, they disempower us both psychologically through these stories and also physically by taking the guns away. And then you're vulnerable and that's going to open up a whole new society, which I will tell you about what my, what I think Thank that you for is after the break. Thanks, Larry. This is Monica Perez. We're back. It's Monica Perez filling in for Mark Aram tonight. And we are talking about the, well, a hashtag I started. It was called, It Will Take a Republican. And I got it from a caller who said, the Democrats aren't going to take guns because we're too sensitized to that. But the Republicans could slide stuff in that heads down that road. And Lindsey Graham's doing that with these red flag laws that they that a law enforcement officer can identify you as a mental health risk and ask a judge to allow the state to take your guns away. Now, if you believe 100% in the infallibility and good faith of the government, then maybe you're not worried about that. But since uh, they now try to claim things like conspiracy theories or not trusting absolute authority as a mental illness you got to worry what is the true purpose behind this. And I want to take some calls, 800-WSB-TALK. David and Tucker, you are on with Monica. Yes, Monica, a couple of points here. This reminds me of Minority Report, the movie, uh, without the psychics uh, bursting in on people's houses because they thought they were going to commit a crime soon. That way people get convicted before the trial, which is a total abrogation of individual rights. And as you pointed out, Soviet Union invented paraschizophrenia as a psychological diagnosis. And the definition of it was opposed to whatever the government was doing. Oh, like oppositional defiant? They have that here now. And they they label kids that if they, I don't know. You know, maybe there is something for real, but it just sounds oppositional defiant 
it sounds like when they're disagreeing with what they're being told. So I well, feel like I feel like it goes down that road. Yeah, that you, what you're talking about is it's a way to control society. And actually beyond that, I, I think I see it's a way for kids especially to have to control their own thoughts for fear that they will be labeled as crazy. I know one thing is like anti-vaxxers. My kids are like, oh, my gosh, mom. <laughs> anti-vaxxers, like that's the rising meme that uh, is like tantamount to mental illness, you know? Well, unfortunately, psychology does a lot of good, but it's a soft science. I remember within your lifetime and mine, there were things that were defined as mental illnesses. Now they're perfectly acceptable, and treatments that were perfectly acceptable that now would be a criminal act. That's very interesting. Yeah, it is. And and actually, a tweet, uh, the name is Pliskin, I mentioned earlier, turned me on to this libertarian psychiatrist called Thomas Zaz, who really gets into that where he feels like he argues that mental illness is is not even a disease. Now, I, I don't go that far. I think I've witnessed it myself, and I think people need help, but I absolutely embrace what he says about using that as an excuse to abrogate our rights instead of actually having to prove that somebody is a danger through normal due process. I mean, it says in the Constitution you can't have those rights abridged without due process. And the due process, in my mind, should always include a jury of peers. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much, David. Uh, I want to get into a little bit about, like, the state of rights in this digital age. Warren and Cumming has something to say about that after the break. And Binkley, my producer, is going to read from uh, News of the Day that that kind of puts a finer point on it. 800-WSB-TALK, 404-872-0750. This is Monica Perez. No, I want this town to be near you. This is Monica Perez. I'm in for Mark Aram tonight. Hoping you're having a nice drive home or a stress-free time if you're working. Launching the weekend if that's where you're headed. Headed out of town maybe for spring break. Battling the pollen and the traffic. But if you don't, uh, if you haven't heard my show, I'm the Libertarian on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6. And because I'm a libertarian, which means basically not everybody says it's social, social liberal and fiscal conservative. That's not correct. To quote the great Harry Brown, I believe in individual liberty and personal responsibility on all issues at all times. But I also happen to believe that our government is a pathocracy working against us and not actually doing what it's supposed to do, which is to protect our rights. So I'm outside the two-party system. I think it's kind of a scam to keep us thinking that there's somebody fighting the good fight. But what I can do, because I'm outside of that, but I still have the principles that are uh, the basic rights that are enshrined in the Constitution or just God-given, pretty obvious in my opinion, The only law is don't touch me or my stuff. Everything else should stem from that. But because I can see I'm outside the parties, I can actually hold the feet to the fire of Republicans who say one thing and do another. And in this case, what we're talking about today is Lindsey Graham spearheading the move to really manipulate states because he says the feds don't have the federal the people don't have the appetite for federal laws doing this yet. They're called red flags, flag laws. And if you think somebody's uh, mentally ill, if you claim that somebody's mentally ill, you or law enforcement can take that person's case to the uh, judge and have that person's rights restricted and including taking their guns away, maybe even incarcerating them, but without a jury trial of peers. So this is... It's it's really a totalitarian approach where the government can, you know, you have to believe that 
that every single actor in government is independent and trustworthy and in good faith and really there to protect your rights. But we know that's not true. So I object to these laws strenuously, but I don't you don't hear the left or the right covering them because the left likes them and the right doesn't want to throw Republicans under the bus. That's why it takes a Republican to do stuff like this, because they have what what is called right cover. But we were actually uh, in this conversation. We started a little bit ago. I'm here with my producer and sidekick Binkley. Before the break, we got a call about, um, or, or the the caller said he wanted to talk about the movie Minority Report, where you can arrest somebody and maybe even execute them for pre-crime. They they know you're going to do it, and these are movements that are underway already. And I know that they, they have these systems. Atlanta has a big system like this where they use digital information to to iterate to where they should go to stop a crime before it happens. Now, Smart I think, policing. What is it called? Smart, Smart policing. policing. See, good old-fashioned police work, you know, the beat cop was doing that all along. But I actually think it's just an excuse to get absolute total surveillance and not for your protection. But for their for their other purposes, and I think their purposes are actually much bigger than that. I think their purposes, if you go and look at things like the UN Agenda 2030 or the World Economic Forum website where who hosts the Davos Switzerland meeting or the Bosch Foundation is another big one, smart cities, sustainable cities, any of that stuff all points to this this vision of a highly controlled future and our rights – especially our gun rights are not a part of that. And that's what I think all of this is leading to. I want to get to some calls. Uh, Binkley, did you, what's your, um, you had two cents or a headline. What were you going to, there was a headline yesterday that I saw that says, despite public outcry, the department of defense is quote, absolutely unapologetic about pursuing a new generation of AI powered weapons. Robocops. Well, is that what I'm supposed to infer? I there? believe it's a, uh, <laughs> Army of unstoppable uh, robots, yeah. Right. And if, I mean, if that's not the first iteration, it's definitely one of the iterations. So let's follow on that theme. I want to go to Warren on the phones. 404 750 1-800-WSB-TALK. Hey, Warren, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica, this is Warren. Hey. What you got? Um, I You're was on the air. standing there working a customer service counter, and two guys were discussing their jobs, and... I overheard, I'm a very observant person, and the one guy left, and I reiterated to him to clarify, he was working on a project with a software company whereby you could gain a search warrant over the Internet without going before a judge. It would be, I guess, transferred to the judge via the Internet. Wow, so you you're not 100% sure there's a judge on the other line on the other end of that or maybe it's just you know what boxes to check and it just gets automatically approved like what are you you have to provide evidence to get a search warrant whether it's you know affidavit or what and you're going to be like sending him a, a gif or something of what somebody sent you you know it's yeah and one last step removed from Last week, we, we talked about, Binkley here had a, a headline from Estonia where, what was it, small claims judges were going to be AI? Is that right, Binkley? Yes. So, so Warren, what I'm saying is that you're saying they can just, I, I consider, it's like electronic voting instead of a paper ballot. They can tell you that that black box is doing something, but... You don't really know, and the way things like the FISA court work, stuff that's that's really secret, there there's like 100% approval rate. You could do it that way. So if they combine your online search warrant thing with these AI judges, and a lot of times this stuff gets incubated in other countries, I think, and comes back here because we have these like well-defined rights that are hard to topple over. They're not going to start here. They're going to end here. But yeah, I I feel like it all it, it's headed towards this highly controlled future, and that the things that we're focusing on, the Mueller report, whatever, it doesn't really matter because it's not about Trump and they're after get him and it's a witch hunt. 
even the right is saying, well, there is Russian interference in our elections. It's just that there was no collusion. So let's control social media. Let's centralize the vote. I mean, do you, Warren, would you take this one step further? And and think that I, I think that the the internet is no place for a, a judicial process. Uh, right. I, I suspect that there is going to be a lot lost, just like photoshopping or anything. That yeah, you know, possibly... I, I want to pick up on that. Thank you very much for the call. I uh, I think for me, this it's it's a lot like the voting thing. Like, there's nothing wrong with paper ballots. I mean, there's just you literally everybody can put it together in a room, fold up your piece of paper, put it in a shoebox, and bring it to City Hall and watch it counted. I mean, I've voted in places where you vote in somebody's house. And I'm not saying like that I voted in a shoebox, but I'm saying it's not, it, it, it's possible to do it decentralized because everybody who wants to vote will contribute to the process. And And I would take it one step further and say, if you can't actually, if they're like, well, the system is overwhelmed. Why is the system overwhelmed? Because you have too many laws. If you're going to have a law that's going to take away somebody's rights, it better be a crime that somebody committed against somebody's rights. The law is the only law, in my opinion, don't touch me or my stuff. So if somebody's going to touch you or your stuff, that's something that can be punished by loss of liberty or property or rights. And that needs a jury trial of peers. And then you would not have the system overwhelmed if you kept the laws within the realm of legitimate law. And then you can have these. And you're right. It's about people. It's personal. There, It's not a digital. We're not digital. And the experience needs to be uh, laws have been handed down. Don't let anyone fool you. And so things are different now where people are different. Society is different. Our our fundamental legal architecture, as Michael Chertoff said, needs to change. No, it does not. Uh, I'm going to go to Bob. Bob, you are on with Monica. Hi, Bob. Hello, Monica. Uh, I'm in compliance with the no hands law, so I'm not sure how your reception is. It's good. It's good. Go with it. That's great. Listen, I uh, would add to your objections against the red flag law and the fact that it's it's also, uh, you know, it's, uh, in, on top of all the other things that's wrong with it, it's redundant. Most states, and the state of Georgia in particular, has a process by which if you think somebody's got uh, mental issues and they're a danger to themselves or others, they can go and see the magistrate judge and take a two-party affidavit and they can swear before the judge that you're a danger to yourself or, or others, and then the judge can issue an order that the police will take you into custody for a mental evaluation. You know so, what, Bob, you know what I think the difference might be is in, and this is really important, this all started with Parkland in Florida, which has the Baker Act, where they can take you into custody for three days. But their objection to that is that somebody in your family has to do that or or maybe some other group. So this kid, this guy they say did it, he had no family. So so they wanted to say that law enforcement was aware, but nobody in his personal life pressed those charges or took that up. So they are trying to make it so that law enforcement can do it without any personal witness. That's, what do you think of that? My understanding of the red flag law, the red flag law, is basically your neighbor, who may not think anybody should own a gun, can decide that uh, they don't like the way you're behaving and that you must be dangerous because you've got a gun, and they go to the police and tell the police to to uh, come get you. And yeah, no, yes. There's a judge involved, and there's no other party involved. And in Georgia, you don't have to be a relative of the person. Right. I think the way it actually works, so I was listening to this hearing of Lindsey Graham, and we can play some clips from it, where he said there's no appetite for this law on a federal level. So we want to make incentives for states to pass the laws that they basically can get away with in their own states. 
So, yes, they want your family to do it. They want your friends to do it. But I think an essential element is that they don't even want it to be that far. They want the government itself to be able to identify you and then take it to a judge and uh, make it sick. This is Monica Perez, 800-WSB-TALK. And uh, and let's really get to the heart of what Lindsey Graham's actually saying. It's scary. Mark Aram on 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. This is Monica Perez in for Mark Aram. I'm the Libertarian Voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. So you can hear me tomorrow. I tend to go down the rabbit hole. I'm always seeing some deeper uh, shadowy issue behind the news. And, and I just, I'm not backing off that position. I think there is a lot more than sees, uh, that meets the eye from what we're told in the media and uh, among the politicians. So I do think there's sinister intent behind Lindsey Graham spearheading these red flag laws, they call them. You want to get your arms around, you want to embrace it because they say if somebody has mental health issues, they shouldn't have guns. That's where they start start with. But I want to get into what's wrong with that basic premise at the bottom of the hour. Right now, I do want to play a little clip from the hearing that Lindsey Graham chaired this week Touching on, on what what a little bit of what's afoot. Can I, Binkley? May I please have clip two? This hearing today is to examine red flag laws, for uh, lack of a better term. We're trying to identify people in our communities that are exhibiting uh, pretty extreme behavior in terms of mental health issues, where they become a danger to themselves and others and allow law enforcement and sometimes family members to go to a court to say this person needs some help and we need to stop violence before it occurs. There will be a robust due process component. We'll have a witness to talk about the kind of due process you need to make such a determination. So that's the thing. They talk about due process, but I don't buy it. I have an example, Colorado law here. I want to tell you about it after the break to give you a taste of what they're really talking about. 800-WSB-TALK. You can call 404-872-0750. This is Monica Perez. This hour of the Mark Aram Show brought to you by Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Normally Saturdays from 3 to 6, and I am on tomorrow from 3 to 6. I'm in for Aram right now, Friday night. I'd like to say ready to let my hair down for the weekend, but I've got more terrific libertarian insights for you coming tomorrow, so I'll have to keep it cool. But uh, I do hope you're going to have a good time, and I'm going to try to ease you into that. Your drive home tonight, maybe you're driving out of town on spring break, battling the traffic and the pollen. Uh, so, But we are talking about a serious matter. And we're talking about, in my, my view, it's a, the both parties, or whoever is behind both parties, you can think of it simply as money people or globalists or whoever. There's powers that be, and I feel like, there isn't one party that's on our side and one party that works for them. There's that famous, famous book and quote, Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley, where the guy, uh, it was Bill Clinton's mentor and so much more, reveals, he said, we, we control both of the parties. It just, when you want to throw your bums out, we have other bums to put in. And that's why they end up in this center. I call it the liberal fascist center, where it's yes to all welfare, all Social control, all warfare, everything. So invade every country, jack up the debt, censor, surveil, take the guns away. That's why it doesn't surprise me that the Republicans are spearheading an effort to get states to pass these red flag laws where law enforcement can get uh, can pursue legal action to get somebody's guns taken away based on a mental health pronouncement from the court. So you're not getting a jury trial, but you are losing your rights. And to me, that's not due process. They talked about there is due process. It's there, there is a process, but it's not the process that is due to you under the Constitution. So don't fall for that. But what I wanted to say earlier, what I mentioned before the break, is 
the in Colorado, for example, there's a law. I'm not sure if it's passed yet, but the but it, it was in the paper, and I'll tell you why. That the judge decides on a preponderance of the evidence uh, if a person poses a significant risk to himself or others by having firearms in his or her custody. Now, some people would mention would say that everybody poses a significant risk to everybody else if they have firearms. You know what I mean? It's like a very nebulous measure. And if it's a mental health issue, I've seen thousands. I actually saw a supposed study from England. The study was not very impressive when you finally could could click through to it. But it talked about the the vast mental incapacities of people who believe in conspiracy theories. But what's a conspiracy theory? I mean, RICO, which is the foundation of basically most federal law, is simply conspiracy alone is the crime. When you read the stuff about Lori Loughlin or the college scandals and Cohen, Michael Cohen, like all these, if you look at what they're charged with, it's almost always starts with conspiracy. Conspiracies are real. They're they're sinister. And uh, and believing that they exist is just a natural consequence of observing the world around you. So I'm not buying that. But what I loved about this Colorado story is that Fremont County passed a resolution declaring itself a Second Amendment sanctuary county, that they would support their law enforcement for not enforcing this law if it came down. They are not going to hold their sheriff accountable for not confiscating people's guns. So it's, in my opinion, it's county nullification, which I think is fantastic. I think that's how I actually object to the Supreme Court having the power to decide what the Constitution says and imposing that decision on the states based on Congress passing what we might deem unconstitutional laws. I think the better remedy is state nullification. We just aren't going to enforce it. But you know how they get around that, that the FBI was not in the Constitution. That was a later addition. It's only about 100 years old. When when the feds have domestic law enforcement, it allows the Supreme Court to make those pronouncements. But I believe in this subsidiarity, this lower, this decentralized ability to nullify uh, these laws that take away our rights. Uh, I'm going to take a call. And then Binkley, my producer, uh, I think we didn't play clip seven yet, right? Let's think about clip seven. And I'm gonna, it, what it is is Lindsey Graham talking about really his method of trying to cram the stuff down our throats. So in the meanwhile, I'm going to go to Dave and Woodstock. Hi, Dave. You are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I just wanted to let you know, because I used to work in that field, in Florida, it's called a Baker Act. Here in Georgia, it's referred to as a 1013. But the Baker Act in Florida requires a law enforcement officer, if he observes someone that is their behavior is harmful to themselves or others, he is required to take that person into custody. Now, he's not taking them to jail. He's taking them to a psychiatric intake facility for a 72-hour evaluation. And the same thing happens in a hospital. If we have somebody come into the emergency room who's overdosed on something or is cutting themselves or whatever, they're required, the staff is required to call law enforcement so that, again, law enforcement can take them into custody and have them transferred to an intake facility. Yeah, I I am. My sister actually experienced that. It was not pretty. Uh, so, yes, I'm familiar with that. Sorry, I, maybe I stated it wrong. I was watching the, I guess, I don't know if, who it was from, maybe it was the governor of Florida, I can't remember, but it was in this, this, I played a clip earlier of Trump and Pence about a year ago talking about these red flag laws and Trump said, we'll take the guns without due process. And Pence was like, well, we'll have some process. But the Florida representative there said, 
about the Baker Act, they do that. And then at the end of the three days, they are required. Now, he said they're required to give the people's guns back. But if I do understand the Baker Act correctly, they're actually incarcerating the people involuntarily for three days where they just don't have access to their guns. So I'm guessing that what he was saying is, is the Baker Act, I don't think the Baker Act has a, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, has a specific provision of like confiscating guns from their home, certainly not permanently. No, no. Right, so this is a specific. It's it's only to take the person out of that situation. Right. Again, they're not taking them to jail. They're not incarcerating them, but they are confining them. They are remanding them. Yeah, I think it's a valid, I mean, I have to, if I find stuff like this isn't easy to make a knee-jerk decision about, it's not really oh, conducive. No. You know, so I would if I, I would look at the law, I would think about it. But my first reaction or kind of my gut reaction is and it's a very like established legal idea. If there is an exigent threat, I guess it's called or imminent, you know, something that's happening right then, you have to make a decision or somebody's going to get hurt. Uh, yes, you can. You can break into some place or you can look for something or you can take something or take someone. I think that's a you know well-established legal principle about like emergency situations. And I don't really object to that. I think that this takes it to where they're actually targeting gun ownership and the loss of liberty without what I would call due process. So I, I think an exigent thing we could quibble about a few days here or there. I don't like it. I, d- I definitely do not like waiting laws, gun laws that they make you wait, because I think the majority of cases are women who think their husbands are going to come home and beat them to death and they got to wait. <laughs> you know, people die when they have waiting laws like that. But as far as what you're talking about, I don't str- strenuously object to that. Not without further consideration, but to, I mean, to take the guns away from people because of an all government process. What do you think about that? I swore you know, note to defend yeah. the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I yeah. strongly object. Yeah. And I and I would take it further and say, you know, we focus on the Second Amendment. We really do. And I appreciate that. But a lot of this stuff goes to the, the Fifth Amendment and the Sixth Amendment and even the Eighth Amendment, which is like unusual punishments. And, uh, you know, fourth about the searches, people were really talking about that a lot. But people aren't talking enough, I think, about the Fifth and the Sixth Amendment, which is where that due process stuff comes in. Because with due process, then then somebody's guilt or incapacity can be adjudicated on a case-by-case basis by a jury of your peers or with the protections that we know about and have control over. So, I mean, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a strict defender of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and and not that I think it's an infallible uh, document. I absolutely look at what it created. It created the biggest government of all time, probably. It's just that those protections in the Bill of Rights are are like kind of humanity's last hope with before a dark age of tyranny, in my opinion. So I'm not I'm not calling for the revolution until I kick the can as far down as I can. And that's not only preserving the Second Amendment, but the other amendments, too. I'm going to take one more call before the break. I'm going to Rhonda in Atlanta. Rhonda, you're on with Monica. Hi. Good evening, Monica. Well, as a mom of five children and someone who's experienced where their schools, kids' schools have had people saying there was a shooter, active shooter, or whatever, I really don't care if they take people's guns. Personally, if there's too many times where kids have been shot in the school where you can't even go to church anymore without somebody shooting you at church. Guns are out of control. You can't go to church without people shooting you. No, but um, don't you think it's weird? No, I just want to ask you something. Don't you think it's weird that there's been this massive surge in those incidents over the past decade? It's weird, right? It is weird. I mean, and most of the time, I mean, to be honest with you, the whole thing is a bunch of bull because depending on what nationality you is, is depending on how they classify you as a shooter. So if you're a Muslim, then you're a terrorist. If you're African-American, then you're a thug. And if you're white, you're mentally ill. But I don't really care what nationality you are. 
I personally, if they got to take your gun for a month, two months or whatever, and my kids are going to be safe and my family can go to church without being shot, I don't care about you being inconvenienced without your gun. You do you live- think that would really that would really do it? You think you could really enforce a negative, get everybody's guns? Or don't? wouldn't it be, are you open to the suggestion that, that an armed populace would actually result in fewer of those crimes? I pers- I just think there's too many guns out there. And 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 even if, I think they should even ban the guns that are automatic. We can shoot hundreds of bullets. There's no reason for an individual to have those. So I don't I'm, think I'm you're going to stop that though. It's like it's like having a swimming pool and having a little kid. You got to teach the kid to swim because you're not going to be able to watch them 100% of the time. Printers can print guns. I understand that, but I like I said, I know that you some people are saying that this whole um red flag thing may you know people may who are not mentally ill may be it may be abused, but to me, if those people lose their guns for a month or two or even a year and they and they find out that they're not mentally ill and give them back, I don't have a problem with it, but if you really think someone's dangerous, I'd rather for you to take their guns and then be mad or inconvenience than for my child okay. to be on the other end of that gun. I Thank you so much, Rhonda. I have to take a break, but I'm going to rebut, uh, give you my answer to what you had to say right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Mark Aram on 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We're trying to balance the right to own a gun under the Second Amendment with mental health issues that are far too prevalent in society and we do not have enough capability to deal with the problem and there are times like in the parkland case where if the law enforcement community had these tools they could intervene and they could do something about it and my hope is that what we will do up here in washington is i think passing a federal law is probably beyond what the market will bear but create an incentive at the federal level or states who want to go down this road, making sure that the laws are meaningful and that there's due process for the due process for the people who may be on the, the the in the court situation, but try to give a nod to the states that this is working in some states. Come up with an idea that's unique to your state, and if you do it in a certain way, uh, the federal government will incentivize you. And I think that's the best way, at least initially, to solve this problem. It's like the drinking age and highway funds. If they decide to cram that down on the states because that's the only way to get their policy passed, it's subverting the will of the people. Now, Rhonda said before the break that she would want someone to lose their guns for a couple of months to keep her kids safe. But what she her underlying assumption is that you can trust that that's what the government's really trying to do. I think this is just the beginning. And then you have no power. But we can continue this conversation tomorrow on the Monica Perez Show, 3 o'clock, 3 to 6, right here on WSB.